0: Never to be focused on the preacher. It's never to be focused on the music. It's always to be focused on the word of God, which points us to Christ. Always to be focused on the Word of God that points us to Christ, right? Everybody say amen to that. You agree with that? Amen. Ain't that great? So we look into the Word of God. We will look at chapter 12. And this is a continuation of Jesus' preaching. And chapter 12 uh, just got some things that he says and teaches that we need to hear and we and we need to consider and think through as a Christian. There's four things that I'm going to bring to your, your mind. I want you to listen to me. If you got children, it's okay. You're not going to bother me. Take care of your babies however you need to. And... Uh, Let's just focus on on the Word of God and then let that cause our focus to be on hearing the Holy Spirit, right? We're going to hear the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, does He speak in a small, still voice? Yeah, but it's loud, isn't it? And, And no one can keep us from hearing that. Now, let's continue here. Chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, most of time you never catch it. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod or stamp- trampled one another upon one another, he, Jesus, began to say unto his disciples. Now the message of chapter 12 is directed to the disciples. He said, Beware, ye, of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, that's a good statement, isn't it? Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that they have no um, have more that they can do, no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you, whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he killeth hath power to cast into hell. Gehenna is the word there. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farlings? Quarter. And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore... You're more, you are of more, you're of more value, the word value is important there, than many sparrows. Well, that's a balanced view of yourself. You're worth more than a couple sparrows. (laughs) Verse 8, also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates, and powers take you no thought how or what things you shall answer or what you shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you beforehand, no in the same hour, what you ought to say. You'll be led of the Spirit. Now listen, this is not teaching us don't study the Bible before you go preach. And some people take that to mean that. Believe you me, there's a lot of ignorance that come out of pulpits where they don't study the Word of God. This is not referring to that. And that is a, that is a powerful concept that we deal with. How I, I many understand what I mean? Your preacher needs to be in the Word. Matter of fact, that's why they, they formed deacons, wasn't it? In the book of Acts. So that those apostles could dip, give themselves to what? to prayer and the study of Scripture. If Paul and Peter and John needed to study the Scripture and need to pray, how much more does your preacher need it? You say, I can tell our preacher needs it. Well, you can. Amen. Pray for him, but not right now. Listen to me. I had a girl that uh, didn't like me much. She was forced to be here because her husband came and loved it. She didn't like me too much. It was pretty obvious. And when she'd come to church, she would always bow her head like she's praying for me. I told her one day, I said, don't pray for me right now. Listen, God might speak to you through this old preacher. He might speak to you even beyond the preacher. And so these things are important. Now this is a continuation of the sermon that he was preaching. He began in chapter 11 is where we start the sermon, where Luke records it. And the crowd is still gathering. Man, they're gathering. Probably... Over a few days, this, this is probably a series of messages uh, that Jesus is preaching. Probably different than those recorded in the Book of Matthew. You know, some people will. There's a there's a debate: uh, is this Luke's recording of the Beatitudes or not? And let me tell you something: Jesus preached the same message in different places, and it's okay to repeat a sermon. If you are a preacher, keep your notes to cry over because they look so terrible when you look back and say, how did anything come out of that mess? That's what I do, usually. But you need to preach the same things over and over from time to time because they are important. And you can preach the whole counsel of God, too. Now, so Jesus is preaching in a series and probably over days. And unlike us, we start... Well, we're more like Jesus than I think so. Sometimes we don't start at 10:30, do we? Are y'all laughing yet? I try to get us to start at 10:30. I really do, and, and I've had in the past I've had uh, people that have scolded me in the past over the church service not starting at time. You know, you train your preacher, you know, and I, all that uh, over the years has trained me. I try to get things started on time, and I tell the people that are in charge of starting on time. Listen, it don't cost you anything if we don't start on time, but uh, take it out of my hide. because I'm the guy that's the last guy on the, on the platform, right? So it costs me, it doesn't cost you. So, you know, I have to say something to them, but it doesn't usually help. But as I said, we're a whole lot like Jesus and like the Jews and like most of the peoples of the world. I, I'll be honest with you. I really think it's only, it really is only those of us who are OCD Europeans that want everything to start on time, a- and that would include us Irish people, right? And you English and, and German. Most of the world don't care when it starts. How many understand what I'm saying? All right, preacher, it ain't never going to start on time again around here. No, that's not what I'm saying. But in the th- here's how it happened. Here's how it happened. It, it never. They never had. They had a day that, that they was going to have a meeting. And that's what Jesus is. He's got a day, and and people kept coming to it during that day. They would come in during the middle of the service. You know, he's preaching, and some would go away during the middle of it. If you look at John 6, many of them went away because they didn't like what he had to say. And it says of them in and, and John 6, they never came back again. But he's just preaching, and now he's gearing it towards the disciples. Let, let me read you chapter 11, verse 29, just to get the Thing. And when the people were gathered thick together, thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. The only thing they're going to see is me going into the tomb after I die on the cross and raise him from the dead. Now look at verse 37. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee, a Pharisee besought him to dine with him and he went in and sat down to meet. So there's a break in the thing. Jesus goes and eats at the Pharisee's house in verse 37. And then he's back at it again. Verse 39, uh, it says, And and the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of, of the cup and the platter, and the inwardly part is full of ravening and wickedness. And ye fools, and do not uh, that made... Uh, that which is without, make that which is within also. Well, oh, I botched that one up. Uh, but rather give alms and such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean. So he's back preaching to the Pharisees again in verse 37. And then we see a response from the scribes in verse 53, and I'm hoping I'm not losing. I'm trying to catch you in, bring you into it. Verse 53 of chapter 11, and as he said these things, Unto them, the scribes, and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things. They wanted to talk about him a lot of things. Why are they doing that? Do they, want, do they want to learn anything? They want to trap him, don't they? And laying wait, notice, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. What is your attitude towards the person you're listening to? You know, you turn on that channel where you don't like them and you're looking for something. And then you turn over to that channel that you like and, oh, everything they say is busy. (laughs) That's hypocrisy in itself, isn't it? So a great crowd, innumerable, a multitude, and they tell us it's 10,000 plus people from looking at the lay of the land there where it took place. And they're stepping on one another, because there's so many people. And then we have this chapter 12. He's already preached uh, to the lawyers, and he's uh, he's preached uh, to uh, the the scribes and the Pharisees. And now he's going to speak to his disciples. H- have you ever been to church and you felt like, I didn't hear anything I need to hear that. Did you ever go to church and you think, man, did anybody else hear anything that was directed at me? And you're always there to the point of, oh, what's he doing? Picking on me. Been there too, right? And that's just the way it is with going to hear speaking and preaching the Word of God. It ministers. Now Jesus is being careful to make sure he ministers to his disciples. Everything he said before was to those that are lost. But now he says I'm going to speak to you disciples and there are four things that we can apply as we look at this. And I'm going to give you the four things real clear and then I'm going to build on them and I'm going to explain them, okay? You with me? First of all, he said, beware of hypocrisy. (coughs) What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy. Well, it's being something that you're really not or uh, it's just not living up to what you claim to be. Hypocrisy? How many of us are guilty of hypocrisy? Raise your hand with me. My hand is raised. You know, there's a difference between being guilty of hypocrisy and being a hypocr- hypocrite. Now, you you can be a hypocrite at the moment. I'm not saying that's not true. But a hypocrite is, the way I view it, okay, a hypocrite is one who is just fake all the time. It's not real with them. But we all are guilty of hypocrisy. There's no way around it. We're human. Verse 1 of the text, In the meantime, when he uh, there were gathered together a number, a multitude of people in so much that they trolled one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the word leaven, you ladies that can make Bread, knows the leaven is a substance and it's usually yeast and you put it in the dough and it makes it rise. Beware of the influence of the Pharisees. Beware of their influence. Now, the Pharisees had great influence at the time. They were respected by people that didn't even like them. And they were easy not to like many times. And there were others that were living it out. Jesus uh, taught us, it was in last week's reading when I was reading the prepare. Jesus taught us that they left the things of love undone. He said all of the things that they did, there's nothing really wrong with many of the things they did. They should have done these things, but they left undone the weightier laws, matters of the law, which is love you want to be a hypocrite, leave love out. You don't want to do that. Leaven is the substance of influence. Figuratively, it's pervasive influence that modifies and transforms uh, other people. It, it changes the scene of what's going on. It, it gives an appearance that's not real or it can give an appearance of what's real. Uh, it, hypocrisy is what makes it bad. I about got outlined there. It's when it's fake, that's when it's wrong. It's okay to influence and, and and to have leaven to influence for the good. But make sure it's true to, to who you are. Don't just be a fake. Well, let me give it some application for us as Christians. Beware of hypocrisy. The Pharisees were... were a very influential group and many of them were good people and, and but, but they, are, they are threatened by Jesus. They're threatened by the Son of God. He was the one there to be pointing to and magnifying but they're threatened by Him. So let me, let me give that Christian application for this. Shortly after you become a Christian, you often find yourself coming up short of what you ought to be. How many have experienced that right now? My hand's up. Shortly, maybe long time. Who knows? Sometimes after you're saved, you you can fall up short of of what you and, and the problem is we feel like a hypocrite. And and we're hypocritical, maybe. We're not living the way we should some ways. Now, as a Christian, we we, we sometimes We want to just quit church over there. We want to kind of dodge and stay out. We we don't want to see our Christian friends because, you know, we're not living right. We need to be aware of hypocrisy. Now, if you walk away from church as a Christian because you have not lived up, you're living a hypocritical life in front of the world. Did you ever see it that way? You're not walking the trip with the rest of us you're the problem. And the devil has gotten into your mind and your flesh is at work and you feel like oh, I'm not good enough maybe or you want to blame somebody else or whatever it is. And here's the problem. You become a negative influence on other people. Your leaven is like the leaven of the Pharisees. You're hurting others because you know, you got your preacher back here crying about why you're not showing up at church. You got other people that care about you. We have to be careful as a Christian that we when we fall short of where we and we will fall short of what we should be, that we respond correctly, that we get on our knees and we ask the Lord to forgive us of what we've done wrong and get up again and get into the Word of God because the whole goal of all of that, of Satan, is to get us out of the Word. It's to get us out of the Bible. It's to get us away from preaching. It's to get us away from small group. Now, some of you don't understand how important to be here in the small group times. It's important for a Christian to be involved in the small group times. One, your kids need to go somewhere and be around other people. You know, I, I, I tell you what, I, I see parents all the time and that their kids need to relate to other people, other kids. They need that time. You say, I'm going to keep them away from, well, you're not going to keep them away forever. They need to experience here and I, Good atmosphere. But then as Christians, we need the influence of other people in our life in small group time. Just gathering around, listening and learning and experiencing life as a Christian together. The disciples, they continued in the apostles what? Doctrine and fellowship and breaking in bread. That's the first church. Okay, it's okay. I'm a Christian. I don't have to go to church. Yes, I'm a husband, and I don't have to go home, right? I don't don't cease to be a husband if I don't go home, but I cease to be where I need to be. You know why do why, why I say that? Because we hear it constantly. We hear it. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. It's a truth you don't, but it's an abuse of that truth. I need you. I would have no one to talk to on Sunday morning if you weren't here. And you need me. And you say, well, you're not very good. Well, you need to pray for me. You say, we need a better preacher. Well, pray for the one you got. God either change him or give you a better one. I hate to say it, but most of you got the better you deserve. <laughs> I have a good self-esteem, don't I? Now, these Pharisees, they look good, but they they were They were not living right. Jesus said, beware of them. They're going to try to influence you. And what did they end up doing? They influenced a whole city, a whole town of Jews that gathered to crucify Jesus. Did it work on the disciples too? Yeah. Yeah. It negatively affected the disciples. Hey, be wh- Jesus is, we don't, Jesus, would you have put, would, would put quotations around that next time you say that so we can really get it? They influenced the whole city to crucify. Him. And of the disciples, John is the only one that stayed at the cross. And we think he stayed at the cross, we're not sure, but he stayed at the cross and he was at least there to comfort Jesus' mother. And to care of her. And they say that John, you may have heard this before, that John, ha- and you don't see him in Scripture until the very end of Scripture. Jesus didn't, I mean, John didn't do pastoring. He didn't do anything in writing. You know what he did? What Jesus told him to do. Is that important? It's vital. What did Jesus tell him to do? Take my mother, be a son to her, and let her be a mother to you. And tradition tells us that he did that until her death. And then he comes out and writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he writes the book of Revelation. God has a plan. And it's hard to get in it sometimes. But Jesus said of them that they were hypocrites. And the problem with hypocrisy, it, it, you know, pe- the outward thing is not consistent with the inward thing. And what I want us to understand is Christians is that we have to deal with hypocrisy. Don't run from God when we are hypocrites. Now, hypocrites can also be a judge. As Christians, we have to worry about becoming weak and falling by the wayside, and we have to also be worried about being so strong that we point the finger at other people and we judge them. Boy, how often does that happen? Jesus was asked one time to divide the fortune between a brother and his brother. He said, who may be a judge of you? Wow, that had to be into the context, right? He said, I'm not getting into that. Jesus simply said, I'm not getting into that stuff. You've got to handle that yourself. And there are certain things we have to handle ourselves. And when we do well as a Christian, we have to handle that just as well as handling when we fall. It is so true. When, when, when is a wasp the biggest? When he's born. And he shrinks after that. And, and as a Christian, sometimes we do so well and we think we know everything and we start pointing the finger at other people and, and we become a judge. What happens? God removes his grace because of our pride. Our pride causes him to remove his grace and then we struggle and then we're in the other camp and then we just say, well, I've been such a judge of other people, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to that Bible group because, you know, I am i can't live up to that. I don't need them. They're the problem. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? They are the problem. So hypocrisy is also in us judging other people. Now look out for it. Now hypocrisy is also explained... Uh, from the actors hiding behind a mask. In the old days of the Shakespearean play, they'd have a mask, to smile, and one to frown and such and such. The hypocrites hiding behind a mask. I cannot just say to you as a Christian, be honest with us. Be honest with one another. Tell the ugly truth. Why? I, it's not that we need to hear it, but don't try to fake it. Be careful. Be careful what you say in secret. Verse 3, notice he said, And therefore whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which ye have spoken in the ear uh, in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetop." Be careful. Who, the, who has more trouble with gossip than Christians? Is there anyone? Is there anyone that has more trouble with gossip than Christians? And you know, we do believe this. They're one of us. We can talk about them the way we want to, but you better not say nothing bad about them. There's a little bit of that positive side in there. But we need we need to be... Here it is. He just warns us about what we say in secret. Okay. So summarizing the hypocrisy, don't believe everything you see. Don't be a hypocrite. Be careful. Beware of hypocrisy. Then there's a second thing, and I need to get through here. Uh, don't fear... Suffering rejection because of your faith in Jesus. Look at verse 4. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after ha- after that have no more that they can do. Don't fear man. Then he says in verse 5, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed both have power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Jesus is a very practical speaking man, wasn't he? Very practical speaking man, he said. And just to summarize what he said, don't fear people, but fear God. And it's been said that if you fear God, you will not fear man, and if you fear man, you do not fear God. Think through that one. Think through that one. It's God that we need to fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In it, the fear of the Lord, uh, or the lack of the fear of God, is why people live rebellious lives and sinful lives. That's Psalms 37, I believe it is. But if you fear God, if you fear God, it, it enables you to keep your focus on your fear of God. It, it enables you not to fear people. That's the only thing that got me in front of people when I first began to preach. Uh, You don't know these things about me. Uh, Most of you don't know it at all. Debbie doesn't even remember this. This is before she and I started dating. But uh, I felt, well, let's go back when I was 16. I don't want to take a lot of time here, but let me get through it. 16, I wasn't living for the Lord. I was a Christian, but I wasn't living for Christ. I didn't want to stand out for Christ. I wanted to kind of blend in and be a hypocrite. And uh, God... Told me in a church service, he said, "See that guy leading the music up there and playing that song? You're going to be doing that someday." And this is going through my mind. And I say God was speaking to me. You <laughs> say what? Say what you want. Doesn't matter really. God used it. Whatever. I said, "No, nah, I can never do that." And boy, i was so bashful. I would take a, a, an F on oral reports, and I still passed. I worked hard to do those things. I just couldn't speak in front of people. And when I got up my first time, and then also, you know, I felt the same thing about preaching. I got my first time, I, I said, okay, I'm going to serve God in some capacity in my church. I'll take some kind of job. They couldn't find anybody to be the church training director, which is a not a real big important job. You just open the service up with prayer, and you let everybody go where they go. That's not hard, right? They gave me that job. Perfect job for them. I had to get up in front of everybody. So I got up in front of everybody and I was supposed to ask somebody to pray and I couldn't even ask anybody to pray. I was so bashful. Can you imagine that? You say, Preacher, I wish he's was like that now. <laughs> David would have been okay. right? <laughs> David, you know why I'm working on you now. <laughs> they were working on me and my friend was surrendered to Preacher Sammy. He got up and Prayed and said, We're we're dismissed, go to your class. That's where I started. I feared getting in front of people. We got to be careful. Jesus warns us here not to fear rejection from other people. Now, I know that's a little different from what I'm saying, but it does have application, doesn't it? We need not fear, we need to fear God. Uh, A man can destroy, people can destroy your body, but we got to understand this. They cannot destroy your soul. So important for us to learn this. You do realize that the latest philosophy of atheism is that we are only matter. uh, There's no soul. There's no spiritual being. We are just operating off of uh, those things going on in our brain. And when you're dead, you're dead. They better hope so. This scripture right here tells me that's not true. Fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. God, we want to answer before God. And if you're not a Christian, I just I don't want to scold you. I just want to tell you that you are a living being whether you have a body or not. Jesus taught us, in uh, Luke, uh, not Luke, but John 11, that for a Christian, when your body dies, you continue to live. And the Paul tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You and then Paul tells us in Thessalonians that we are spirit, we are a spirit, soul, and body. And he, does, he even gets it in the right order. We say body, soul, spirit, don't we? But Paul gets in the right order and say we are spirit, soul, body. The least of us is our body. And let me tell you what's wrong in our woke world, that people are going around identifying by the lowest equation of who they are. I am a homosexual. I am a a transgender. We are identifying ourselves by our genitals. Is there anything lower than our genitals? I am a human being. That's my soul, my spirit. You identify as who you are, not what somebody tells you you are. <laughs> That's so important. Uh, let me let me take you quickly to one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I never get to use this verse, so I get to use it today. So we're going there. we got to go look it. I want you to go look there. And I think you'll love it as I do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. You get there real quick. We'll get out here quicker, too, by the way. You know, I don't know if that's important to you, but anyway. Notice. Now, th- this thing, the truth here is our value, our value is established by Jesus. That's the third one. Our value, the second one, don't fear what man can do, but but don't let, oh, I don't know how I said it, but anyway, there it was. The third one is we get our value from God. And, and let me, you, you say there in Corinthians, I got ahead of myself, I'm trying to get there, and let me read you the text where he said in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Two sparrows? All right, in time of confession, you guys and maybe gals had a BB gun and you used to kill sparrows. Raise your hand. Confess your false one. Yeah. And hey, you know what? Truthfully, that's part of growing up, isn't it? It's part of growing up. For some of us. But look at it. Are not five sparrows, five sparrows, well, I got that wrong a while ago, sold for two uh, farlings, not one of them is forgotten? Jesus, are you stretching the truth there? Did Jesus ever stretch the truth? Never. God cares about five sparrows. Then verse 7, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, and he has a running count on people like Dale. It It gets smaller every week or so. Fear not, therefore, ye are much, you're more valuable than many sparrows. I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? You get the two sides of the coin? He's trying to say your value. You are a value. And then I I really think he gives us the other side of the coin and said, think of yourself that you're a little bit better than a sparrow. Can you get positive about that? Can you all be positive there? It's not that, here it is. You're not the greatest thing to ever watch. But you're not the worst thing to ever live. God cares about sparrows, and we're in the same category with sparrows. Hey, some of you bird brains out there, listen. <laughs> uh, don't we all be, we're all there sometimes, right? Bird brains. God loves us. You're much more valuable than sparrows, right? You're more. He didn't say much, he said, more. I got to get the balance right. I don't want to be teaching positive thinking here. I want to teach the truth, Amen. which is to think positive, but don't just get overhead over heels, over that stuff. That's what Jesus said. Now, let me skip down to where I read you. Second Corinthians. Some of you are already reading. You're getting, reading ahead of yourself. You shouldn't do that. You should wait. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Look at it. I love this verse, and I think you will too. He said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Did you get a blessing from that? Isn't that a blessing? God says, quit comparing yourself. What did you spend half of your life doing as a kid? Oh, that's that. They got this. They do that. They have friends. I don't have friends. They ain't not have any more friends. And some of you look at Facebook now. Look at all the friends they have. I don't have any no friends. <laughs> it's not real, folks. It's not real. If you get off of Facebook, you might have more friends. I have discovered that to be true. I would spend time with my... I'm addicted to stuff. It's bad. I read and I read and I listen. And I do far more of that than I should. And I, I really... I, I know better, but I do nothing about it, okay? But I, I've seen, I've seen kids, three kids in the same room, and they don't talk to each other; they text one another. Uh, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> and then you've got all these friends on Facebook. No, you don't. Turn the thing off and make friends with the people you're with. Because a lot of us will sit there at our house on Thanksgiving and we'll start reading everything that everybody said on about Thanksgiving on Facebook. Come on, confess your faults one to another. Put the thing down. One year, one year at our home, we had everybody put them in a box, and it was a rebellion. I'll not surrender my baby. They didn't say baby, but you know what I mean. So we are of great value to God. That's what he has saved or lost. God, he values you. He values. He, he, he's big enough to care about everything he made. If you're suffering and struggling, God has a purpose in that, but he cares. He's there. He's with you. You're you're about to die, and, and you want us to pray for you, that you get well. Well, getting well may mean going home. God loves you. He knows what He's doing. We're much more valuable than sparrows that little kids shoot and kill with BB guns. We're much more valuable than that. Our worth is not in our appearance. Our worth is not in our success. And our failure does not disqualify us and make us nothing before God. How valuable are we? Jesus died for us on the cross. He died for us. And if he only saw you, or he only saw me, he would have died for us. We are much more than sparrows. I'd rather, I'd rather die knowing that God loves me and cares for me than to live worrying that he doesn't. Christian, don't forget God's love. I know you don't up in your head. Only when you're having trouble. And that's when we want to stick it and nail it down. Now, the fourth thing, and I'm I'm just going to hit this real quick. Speak out and live out loud for Christ. That's verse 8 and 9. He said, Also I say to you, uh, whosoever shall confess me before men him uh, shall the son of man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men, shall uh, deny bef- shall he deny before the angels of God. Now listen to me, listen to me. We need to be professing our faith all the time. W- much as possible, confess our faith. It begins with a first-all confession or profession of our faith in Jesus, done not it? It starts there. If you're not a Christian... We want to give you an opportunity to profess your faith in Jesus as your Savior. We'll give you that chance. And then we have a word here for those of us who are not Christians. Verse 9, But he that denieth me before men shall shall be denied before the angels of God. If you've never professed Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to come today. If you've done it in your home, you've done it in your personal life, and you've never done it publicly, we're going to make it real easy for you to just come here and say to a counselor here on the altar, say, I want to be counted as belonging to Jesus. I want to be counted as a Christian. And we can talk to you about being baptized later and all that. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's something that Christians do because they are Christians, right? But you come if you've never made that profession out loud, real, you do that today. And remember, if we deny Him, He cannot profess us before the Father and the angels. It's a serious thing, isn't it? Now, have you been to the cross Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? God loved us so. Our value was proven by God by the death of his own son at Calvary's cross. But dying at that cross, Jesus bled and died and shed his blood for the least of us so that we could go to heaven and spend eternity with God. God loves people. He proved it by stretching out his arms on that cross. God died for us on the cross. And he was buried, and he came up from the grave. He's alive. If you've never given your life to Christ, we invite you to give your life to Christ and trust him as your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads. Quietly stand to our feet as our musicians come. I want you all to play softly for us. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for each one that's here. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of people that need to make decisions made known. Lord, there might be here someone that needs to unite with this church. There might be someone here that needs to follow you in scriptural baptism. I pray that they would make that move today, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. You come as you need to come. your value to God. Now, I want to talk to you about that for a moment because some of us have developed our value based on our raising that was not correct, or based on a husband or wife that talks bad, talks down to us. Your value is given to you by God. He affirms you. you need to come pray about things like that, we invite you to do so. Now today, if you have never professed Christ as your Savior, we invite you to come today. We're not embarrassing. We're not making you do it out in public in the sense of putting you on the spot. But we want to pray with you and know your decision. When you become a Christian, you not only become one with Christ, you become a part of the family of God. And we want to welcome you to the family of God when you come. If you need to be baptized, we invite you to come. Anyone else need to come? Let's have our ushers come.